I know you're gonna dig this. Broadcasting live from the center of the universe, it's business school without the BS. Featuring optometrist-turned-entrepreneur, Dr. Robert Zellner, with USSBA Entrepreneur of the Year, Clay Clark. Welcome to the Thrive Time Show on Talk Radio 1170. Yes, at Z and Clay, broadcasting from the box in the 918. Business school in the topic today. Check the syllabus, is getting you paid. Making a business boom is what we do. You can do it, let us show you. It's the Thrive Time Show on your radio. It's the Thrive Time Show, and away we go. It's the Thrive Time Show on your radio. In three, two, one, here we go. Yes, Thrive Nation, welcome back to the conversation. It is the Thrive Time Show on your radio. And I am fired up. I'm excited to be here with you because this month, the entire month, we have been focused on breaking down super successful people, breaking down the life and times of super of super successful people and how they achieved their goals. And today we're breaking down the life and times of Google. Now, now, Chup, we might we might not move on to any new show format. We're getting such good feedback on the Life and Times episodes. It's pretty fun. But I mean, we're moving into Google. Uh, right. Do you use Google, Chup? Yes. Actually, I'm one of the rare people that are that are still using Google out there. Uh, uh, Steve, I mean, have Yahoo? you ever used... Steve Currington, Yahoo? have you ever oh. used uh, Bing? Or, I mean, in all sincerity, do you use Bing or Yahoo? Or what, 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 what search engine do you use? I actually get angry at people that don't use Google. Are like you being I, serious? Yeah. He fights people no, in like, parking lots. Like, you know, if you ever sit down at someone's com- computer or they hand you their phone and they're using Yahoo or Bing yeah. or something, yeah. I change their browser for them. Well, they oh, usually don't even know, Google. right? Do you <laughs> no. know anyone? I mean, Chup, are you married to someone who uses Bing? No, I am not. Candace does not, does not she, use Bing? She is not a Binger. Okay. Uh, my wife doesn't use Bing. I don't know anyone. Who's using these things? I have no idea. I, I think it's just Bill. Bill oh, Gates yeah. Bill and Gates like, and, his, and his employees. His okay. Oh. Well, here, here, here's the deal. Google is doing well, and currently they're the world's second most valuable brand. However, however, I actually believe that secretly they are now the world's most valuable brand, and I'll tell you why here in a little bit. But they've recently broken the company up. They've, they've renamed the company as Alphabet Inc., and it currently sits as the world's second most valuable brand at $141.7 billion trailing only behind Apple's $184 billion. The conglomerate of businesses was established by Google on October 2nd, 2015 as a way to better organize the ever-growing company. What they wanted to do was to be able to uh, scale the growth that they're doing. Uh, Google was officially founded in 1998 by Sergey Brin and Larry Page while they were both PhD students at Stanford. Uh, currently, this is what's kind of fun. The guys own only 14% of their company, but they built the stock in a way that they have a, a stock they call, it's called super voting stock. And so they control 56% of the voting rights, but yet they only own 14% of the company. So I'm sure they love to end arguments with, hey, let's call a vote. Right. <laughs> hey, why don't we call a vote? I mean, I can settle this. I don't know, guys. Let's vote on it. So uh, think about this real quick. The world's Larry, 10. you want to vote? Larry, you want to vote? Larry, yes. You okay, let's vote. Yeah. All right, let's do it. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, what do you know? We win again. All right. So the world's 10 most valuable brands, what are they? We have Apple at number one, Google at number two, Microsoft at three, Coca-Cola four, Amazon five, Samsung six, Toyota seven, Facebook eight, Mercedes nine, IBM 10. I, IBM 10. I am predicting that before my lifetime, 
Google will be worth two times more than Apple. And I'm going to tell you why. Here we go. Oh, wow. They are developing the virtual reality headsets, which I think are disturbing. I don't like those at all. Chup, do you know people who are using these things? I I don't personally know anybody, but I've seen the videos of what they're making. and I wear one every day. Well... I mean, I actually live I, in a virtual I wear it reality. to avoid the normal reality of my day. I mean, I think a lot. I mean, seriously, it's it's the ultimate escapism for somebody who is uh, a little bit off the. You know, I mean, kids today are using this. The virtual reality headsets uh, kind of freaks me out a little bit. Also, if you see the commercials for the Google Pixel phone, oh yeah. Oh, by the way, that soon has the world's best camera now, voted by uh, popular mechanics uh, and, and consumer reports. Do you understand that soon the, the Google phone is going to be the phone that's going to eventually um, upset the iPhone? It's eventually going to surpass the iPhone. I'll tell you why. Because Steve Jobs is gone. And Steve Jobs was a fireball. And so you're going to have, I mean, right now, uh, Steve, do you use an iPhone? Yes. Chef, do you, do you use an iPhone? Yes. Okay. Most people are using an iPhone, but I promise you, before my lifetime, I, I, I'm betting it. I'm just telling you right now. I'm going on the record. For sure, Google will become the world's most valuable company. They're building phones. Also, by the way, by the way, uh, Google Fiber. Yeah. Google Fiber. They're actually providing internet service in multiple cities. Oh, oh. by the way, Cox Communications, here they come. Also, Google Glasses. Weird. This right here is crazy. Do you know that the facial recognition software on Google Glasses is so good that when you walk into a room, it can identify who you are just by you. You wear the glasses. You turn your head to the left like on Google Maps, and if it sees your face, it can pull up your name. Crazy. Crazy technology. I have them on right now. That's how I knew it was you, Clay. What about about this? What (laughs) What about this? What about the Google self-driving car? I mean, this is a huge thing that's going to happen. Google, and by the way, they own the second largest search engine. They own the, the, number, the world's number one search engine right now is Google, but the world's number two search engine is YouTube. Oh, by the way, when you got to work today and you wanted to go to that restaurant, you wanted to find that location of that place, you're looking to buy a new home and you put it into your phone, what type of, uh, what type of uh, turn-by-turn navigation, what kind of GPS system? Steve, are you using Google to get you from A to B? Is that your GPS system? Yes. Chup, are you using GPS or using the, the Google Maps? Uh, it's the Google Mappy Maps. How about this? Their new phone automatically backs up all your family photos as long as you have an account. So you take photos and you never have to save them again because they're always backed up. The phone will never be full again. Chef, have you ever wanted to take a photo but your phone was full? That's the worst. Something awesome's happened with your kid. You're out having a good time and you try to get it. Oh, and it just freezes up and then you get in an argument because you didn't get it. Oh, yeah. Steve? Yeah, I, I got arrested once and it was all related to not being able to my phone to take pictures. Are you being serious? No. I'm okay. Up. So, I mean, so the thing about the, the, your photos, your photos, the Google Glasses, the GPS system, right? Oh, by the way, Hangouts, office are, uh, the offices are starting to use Google Hangouts as a way to do voice conference, video conference. Um, right now, a lot of people do FaceTime with Apple. A lot of people are starting to use the Google Hangouts. Uh, oh, by the way, they're they're leading the charge with artificial intelligence, and that is disturbing as well. Oh, but by the way, how many of us are using the Google Calendar to, to keep track of our schedule? Chup, do you use Google Calendar? Uh, constantly. That's, Steve? That would be the biggest one for me, yes. Uh, no, I don't use Google Calendar, but we have an exchange. He's got it all up in his brain. Do you guys now. see what's happening? They own the world's first and second largest search engine. They, the, If you want to get anywhere, they're the ones who tell you how to get there. They put a satellite into space recently where the satellite now, there, a lot of people who are looking to buy properties in different cities. They want to get a, 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 a aerial perspective, kind of a satellite perspective. They are using Google Earth. Google is, I mean, I'm telling you, they are huge. 
but I'm, they are much bigger than you think they're going to be. So where did it all start? Well, 1973, Sergey Brin was born in the Soviet Union. I knew it! I knew it! The Soviets. He's born in the Soviet Union in 1973, and his parents were super demanding and wanted him to dominate in school. So uh, his parents, you know, said, "Hey, you, you have you have to dominate in school." Well, the same the same year, Larry Page grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and uh, he's currently now the CEO of Alphabet Inc. And Sergey is currently the president of Google's parent company, Alphabet Inc. So the two, you know, they, they they're, they're the same age, born in 1973. So. Dateline, 1989. Uh, this is the year the San Francisco Giants went to the World Series oh, versus yes. the Oakland Athletics. Yep. yep. Uh, do you remember that when the when the bridge started shaking and the, no. the, the big old earthquake happened? I don't. You don't? Unfortunately. I remember watching that with my dad. That actually happened. So the age of, they're, they're 16 years old, 1989. And these guys, uh, I say, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm sure they said it rhetorically to themselves. But they said, you know, a guy, an English guy by the name of Tim Berners-Lee just invented the internet. We should probably dominate that. I don't know if they said that, but they're 16, and the internet came out. Steve, do you remember when the internet came out? Do you remember where you were, what you were doing? Were you were you in high school when the internet came out? When the internet Steve? dropped? Steve? No, I don't, I don't remember when. I mean, no, I don't remember when microwaves hit, but they seem to have hit at some point when I was, like, you know, in my early under 10 years. Here's what I so remember. I would have been about 10 in 1989. I remember how the librarian was always the default computer lab guy. Yeah. You know, the, 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 there's always the guy who's the librarian was always the guy in charge of the, of the tech lab, the computer lab. And we had to use the Apple computers. Do you remember those Apple computers? I do, yeah. Those, <laughs> and those dudes loaded slow, right? Yes, it was like the weird colors. And yes, I remember them. Chip, did you play Oregon Trail? That's what I was just about to bring up. You know it. <laughs> yeah, so you go in there. I died of dysentery so many times. You go in there. For those of you who aren't familiar with Oregon Trail, come on. It's one of the better games of all time. You go in there, and, you're, and you're, your teacher says, well, guys, we're going to familiarize you with the World Wide Web. And what we're going to do is we're going to pull up a, a browser called Netscape. And we're like, what? And the teacher's so excited because he realizes what this is going to be uh, and what, what this is going to become. But you're like 16, 15. You're not paying attention. And he goes, what we're going to do now is if you want to look for a picture of a giraffe. I remember this. He goes, if you're looking for a picture of a giraffe, you just type in giraffe and hit enter. So you hit enter and it's like, <laughs> and the computer, you can hear it thinking. And that, that's, and so, and you're going, really? Is this that awesome? Because you don't understand how profound the, the change is going to become. Right. I remember he told me to search for a draft. I remember this specifically. And I decided to search for Tupac instead. So well, I typed yeah, in logical. The number two, P A C, enter. Well, the problem with, with Tupac was uh, Tupac uh, definitely um, didn't really live a Christ like lifestyle. He wasn't uh, really a part of, uh, uh, you know, Dr. Dobson's ministry. He wasn't a big Billy Graham guy. Right. So my photo's downloading. From the top. It starts at the top. And all of a slowly, sudden, you see it slowly. Yeah, it's slowly yeah. And all of a sudden, you realize Tupac's with some ladies. hey yo. And the teacher's like, everybody, find it. Download the picture of the draft now. And all of a sudden, my picture comes up, and I'm like, uh-oh. And that was my first exposure to searching <laughs> for things on the Internet. So what happens is, is that... Larry and Sergey, they grew up when the internet was still slow, it was still clunky, but who invented the internet? Well, Tim Berners-Lee, he invented the internet, and he, was, he worked for a company called CERN in Switzerland, and he wrote the first web browser program. And basically, CERN is a European organization uh, designed to do nuclear research, but apparently he, the guy had some time on his hands, and so he invented the internet. Wow. 
And so 1991, Larry and Sergey are both 18 years old, and the World Wide Web browser is released by CERN. CERN says, hey, we're going to let other people use it. So on August 6th, 1991, the Internet became available for public usage. So all of a sudden, you and I could use the Internet, but we didn't want to use the Internet. And you know, do you know why we didn't want to use the Internet? Because Steve Case hadn't mailed those AOL CDs to us yet. Right. Do you remember those CDs? I remember that, yeah. Dude, you went into Blockbuster to rent a VHS, and you've got an AOL disc. You know you know you're cool when your parents still have an email that's at AOL. Do you remember that, though? Chuck, that's you old those? school. Yes, that's throwback. Chuck, how old are you? 33. How old are you, Steve? 38. Okay, so Steve, you and I, or you and I were right in the Armageddon. Chup missed this, but I'm not kidding. You'd open your mailbox, and there was an AOL disc. Oh, I remember it. I was there. Well, AOL, did you instant, remember that? Instant Messenger. Oh, man, that was, the, that was the stuff right there. I just remember it was a thing where, like, you, if you, it was kind of a deal, it was like disturbing. You're like, I just threw that disc away. And you open your mailbox, and it's there again. Mm. You throw it away, now it's, it's on like your boomerang. table. They're just, they're mailing those AOL discs all across America, trying to get America on Line. Steve Case was trying to get America online, but you didn't want to get online because when you log on, it would go, and then it, you'd finally log on and it goes, you've got mail. And it would say just a, so you've exciting, got though. mail. And it's just the longest, most hideous, tedious process. And the internet was a little, little too slow for the average person to use. But Larry and Sergey got to thinking, what if we could organize this thing? Stay tuned. It's the Thrive Time Show on the radio. We're talking about Google. Man, I always kept it righteous, knowing it would come back to me. Even when my hunger was outweighing a strategy, and I pray to God, like, I hope you got a map for me. Up at 5 a.m., like, nobody wanted as bad as me. I guess hunger either kill you or it energize you. Motor City, boy, I've been a driver. The young Detroit legend, I swear I got the city inspired. And bought ML2 just to solidify it. Deep boy, deep boy, that's how I was raised. Boss up and put the city on forever my ways. Me and mine started charity to get a kid's clarity and take it further than... Get ready to enter the Thrive Time Show on Talk Radio 1170. Give you all I got in every way I will. No, no, no. You're the only reason why. Oh, I don't wanna live a lie. Mark my words. Mark my words. No, no, no. Oh, Thrive Nation, mark my words. Google will become the world's most valuable company for sure. They they have so many products they're developing right now that a lot of people aren't aware of. I mean, they're, they're the Google Glass, they're glasses you can wear, which is crazy disturbing, by the way, because if you have a Facebook account and you take a picture, you upload the photo, it asks you who's in the photo, and it suggests somebody because it has facial recognition software. Google's facial recognition software is a little bit better than that of Facebook. Oh, and by the way, the Google Glasses allow you to look at people. So imagine you look at somebody and it says their name. Just because you're wearing glasses, it could also pull up for you their criminal record just by looking at them. 
crazy stuff. It's going to be like that with restaurants, movies, anything that you're looking at, right? There's going to be a you're, how important are Google reviews going to be at that point? You know what I'm saying? It's you know what a, I'm saying? No, seriously, it's a huge thing. Also, the Google self-driving car, they're leading the way with that. You have Google Maps, they're leading the way with that. They have the have world's heard, number one search have engine. Have you heard what they've done with that car? No. The last time I, I read an article about it, uh, they were proving that it was going to be a thing, and they went and picked a blind man up from his house, drove him through a drive-thru. He ordered Taco Bell or something like that, and it drove him back to his driveway, and he said it was like the first time he felt like independent in years and years since he had had whatever accident that made him go blind. I know that the Google car will change the world. I know the glasses are changing the world. I know that, 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 that Google, the number one search engine, bought the number two search engine, YouTube, so YouTube is becoming more and more popular all the time. You understand it's Google and YouTube are the number one and two search engines, and they own them both. Oh, by the way, they're, they're becoming an internet service provider. What they're doing overseas is they're turning your power lines into internet connections. So just by plugging into an outlet, you're on the internet. There are so many cra- crazy pieces of technology that they've invented. But here they are. They're age 18 in 1991, and the internet was released to the average human. And the World Wide Web, uh, it's usually abbreviated as WWW. Or dub 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 sometimes. Dub dub dub. Yeah, I, I cannot state a web developer said that. Well, dub 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 dub. But the World Wide Web is usually abbreviated with the symbol WWW. However, it is really a massive information space where information, documents, and resources can be stored and organized for fast retrieval using uniform resource locators. What's that? Uniform resource locators. They call it a URL, but what does that mean? It's a uniform resource locator. The internet is all linked together using these hypertext links, which are simply links that the user can click on to connect you to another item on the internet. When text is highlighted and a link is embedded on it, they call that anchor text. Why am I telling you this? Because in 1995, they're 22 years old, and they first met on the campus of Stanford. In the summer of 1995, Larry Page, then 22, visited Stanford as a prospective PhD student in computer science. His tour guide was Sergey Brin, the partners, you know, Larry and Sergey. His tour guide was Sergey, who was 21 years old. He's a mathematical, a mathematical whiz who was also pursuing his PhD. And despite the fact they had a lot in common, they really didn't agree on a lot of things because they were both pretty intense humans. And uh, Page later told The Wired magazine, he said, I thought Sergey was pretty obnoxious. He had strong opinions about things, and I guess I did too. So 1996, the guys are 23 years old, and they start talking. They, they become buddies. And they say, here's the deal. Why don't we come up with a way to organize the Internet? Because I, I don't know if you remember this, Thrive Nation, but if you're old enough to remember this, if you searched on AOL or you searched on Alta Vista or you searched on Netscape, Chup, how did you get to determine who got to be top in the search engines back in the day when you're using Netscape? I have no idea. It's whoever paid the most. Ah, it was ah, like the Yellow Pages. Oh, I see. It was like the Yellow Pages. And so it was a thing where basically big companies would just buy the biggest placement, and Steve Case kept mailing you AOL. And people like me, I'm 12, 13 years old, just watching it happen. Adults are going, yeah, the yellow pages are still dominant. There's no reason to do online advertisement at all. The, the, the internet is ridiculous. Well, then all of a sudden, about 99, 2000, it became a thing people went to to find the products and services. Steve, do you remember when the yellow pages were still the jam, the boss, the game? Steve, do you remember when yellow pages were awesome? No. I never liked the yellow pages. Really? Though. Yeah, just... Steve... 
Come on. I mean, there's just like a, you know, there's an What did you do? What did you do when you needed to order pizza? Nothing. The, there's an, it goes 664-4444. You just call the Mazio. So that's what was the deal. Oh, okay. okay. Well, let me tell you what. I remember when the Yellow Pages were awesome because I used to buy massive advertisements. I'd spend usually 2000 to 5000 a month. When I first started my business, I'd spend about 1500 a month on the Yellow Page ads so that I could be competitive with the other disc jockeys. Did so you're you looking run for a, multiple ads? I did uh, with multiple company names because the A uh, listing allowed you to have a higher ranking. So I started a company called Always and Forever Wedding DJ Service, which uh, really never was a service. But what it did is it allowed me to be top of the yellow pages if you were searching alphabetically. And I also bought ads, so I was always near the top. That was my move. Nice. Quadruple A alpha DJs. That is exactly right. (laughs) If you look in the box that rocks, there are some samples of... Some of these Yellow Pages ads. Have you seen them, Chuck? Yeah. Didn't you do some with? Did you do some with the big heads? Was that a movie? Yeah, made? my Yellow Page moved to dominate my uh, my Purple Cow because there's a lot of DJs out there and they all had nice Yellow Pages, very professional. You Weak know? Jays, more like. And uh, well, their, their ad would say, "We've been in business for you know 15 years. You know, we've been around since 19, you know, 94 or something like that. You know, nine, since 90. I guess it would be since like 85. They would say we've been in business since 1985. And I thought I could beat that. So my ad said conceived in 1980. <laughs> And then their ads say, well, we have, you know, hundreds of thousands of, you know, uh, titles to choose from. And I thought, this is before the internet where you can just download any song you wanted. And I thought, okay, uh, we have access to 106,000, you know, songs. Because I thought, you know, if you want, I'll buy it, you know. And then in their head, they had had pictures of their faces. It was kind of like a real estate. By the way, if you're a realtor, I'm not mad at you, but work with me. You know what I'm talking about. It's like a big glamour shots for you. Poofy bangs. Poofy bangs. Come on, you know. You're going out there and tanning because you're going to get your face on a sign that's going to go into someone's yard because that's what real estate is. It's oh, just putting yeah. pretty faces on signs on, in yards. And so uh, Breaking all, it down. all of our competitors <laughs> had the nice photos of themselves, and I thought, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take our heads and I'm going to enlarge them to four times their size using Photoshop and put them on suits of, like, male fitness models. And uh, it worked. That's right. And so we got a lot of calls. That was our move. And so here we are, 1996. And Larry and Sergey decide, you know, we're going to come up with a way to download the Internet. Because we realize that most of the information on the Internet is very hard to retrieve. And it's not organized in a universal way that makes information easy to use. And by the way, their, their research paper, their thesis, their game plan, their hypothesis, it's still available live right now. I'm going to pull it up on the big screen so the guys inside the box can see it today. But if you are a listener here today, I encourage you to go to thrivetimeshow.com and click on the podcast button so you can actually see the show notes because you can actually see the original paper that they wrote while still in college where they were explaining that this is going to be the future of the internet. They decided right there on the the campus that we're going to be the first people to ever organize the internet. And in order to do it, we have to download the entire Internet. And that's where it all started for Larry and Sergey at the University of Stanford campus. Stay tuned. It's the Thrive Time Show on your radio. I got to testify. Come up in the spot looking extra fly. For the day I die, I'm a test guy. Got to testify. Make sure you never miss a broadcast by signing up for the Thrive Time Show podcast. Two men, 13 multi-million dollar businesses, eight kids, one business coach radio show. It's the Thrive Time Business Coach Radio Show.
conversation. Today we're talking about the life and times of Google and specifically how did Larry and Sergey start Google? I mean, it's the world's uh, second wealthiest company. Then that's just because they've broken it up into different parts. But really, soon it will dwarf Apple. But if you go to infolab.stanford.edu forward slash back rub forward slash Google, the point is, if you just do a Google search for the anatomy of a large-scale hypertextual web search engine, you will see their original um, argument of how they're going to change the world. This is what they wrote while in Stanford. This was their paper. And they wrote, in this paper, we present Google, a prototype of a large-scale search engine which makes heavy use of structure present in hypertext. Google is designed to crawl and index the web efficiently and to produce much more satisfying search results than existing systems. The prototype with a full text and hyperlink database of at least 24 million pages is available at google.stanford.edu. Now, just so we're clear here, Thrive Nation, that is a real thing. Google actually started on the campus of Stanford. Well, how'd they do it? Well, they first they had this goal. This is what this is what Larry says, looking back at it. Larry says, basically, our goal is to organize the world's information and to make it universally accessible and useful. So at the age of 23, 1996, he's on the campus of Stanford studying to get his PhD. And he says, um, here's the deal. Here's, here's our plan. Larry, Sergey, let's meet. Let's get together. So two guys are talking. He goes, here's the deal. Why don't we download the entire internet? And the two of them are going, why don't we? And then, then the thought was, you mean the whole internet? Yes. So they went into the Stanford computer department. About every two years, the computers are obsolete. They took all the old computers that were not being used. Um, they, didn't, they didn't steal them. They were just computers that were not being used. They borrowed them. And they, well, they never left the campus. And so they yeah. hooked them all up together. Uh, by the way, they linked all the computers together so that the computers were basically a slave to the one system. And they began to download the entire internet. Now, this is what... This is what Larry Page uh, says, looking back at that time. This is how he describes it. He says, you know what it's like to wake up in the middle of the night with a vivid dream? And you know how if you don't have a pencil and a pad by the bed to write it down, it will be completely gone by the next morning? Well, I had one of those dreams when I was 23 years old. When I suddenly woke up, I was thinking, what if we could download the whole web? Thrive Nation, listen to that. The whole internet. That's mind-boggling. And just keep the links. And I grabbed a pen and started writing. Sometimes it's important to wake up and stop dreaming. I spent the middle of the night scribbling out the details and convincing myself it would work. Soon after, I told my advisor, Terry Winograd, it would take a couple of weeks to download the web. He nodded knowingly, fully aware it would take much longer, but wise enough to not tell me. The optimism of youth is often underrated. Amazing, I had no thought of building a search engine. The idea wasn't even on the radar. But much later, what happened? Well, later we ha uh, we happened upon a better way of ranking web pages to make a really great search engine, and Google was born. When a really great dream shows up, grab it. Uh, their slogan today is to organize the world's information and make it universally acceptable and useful, and to not be evil. Now, the reason why they say "don't be evil," I believe, is because if they wanted to be evil, they could really really screw with America. Hey, that's, I feel like, what somebody that was going to be evil would obviously say. I, I, well, I'm just saying. You know what I mean? Like, well, an, I'm just going to give you an example. Hitler, um, if you, by the way, if you haven't watched. He the, said, I'm not evil. Steve, have you seen the new, um, you, you watched the Defiant Ones, right? Yep. 
Okay, well, the producer behind uh, Steve, uh, Steve, have you seen um, Apollo uh, 13? Yep. Uh, Chup, have you seen the, the Beautiful Mind movie? Uh, no. Okay, well, the guy who made A Beautiful Mind and Apollo 13, he made a new documentary on Albert Einstein, which is up there just as good as The Defiant Ones. Oh. Really? Just came out. It is sick. It is so good. And so one of the things the Germans did, though, is they started just telling people like things that weren't true, but they had to accept them as true. Like, hey, all Jewish people are greedy. That was the statement they made, and which isn't true at all, but that's the statement they made. And so... Over time, people started accepting, like, okay, well, I guess that all Jewish people are greedy. Then it was like, we are going to have all the Jewish people just wear a little star so we can organize them, just to know, you know, who the good people are and who the greedy people are. You know, just just so we know, it helps us stay organized. It's part of the census, you know. And over time, then they said, if anybody doesn't wear the star, you as a German citizen owe it to the state, you know, for organizational purposes, to beat them up. And that's when, that's when Albert Einstein peaced out. He was born in Germany. He's like, I got to get out of here. Yeah, I and he had the money to get out of here. But Google, I mean, they could really, really dominate the world quickly by putting misinformation out there, although they haven't done it yet that we know about. Now, according to a notable quotable, this is from the Anatomy of the Search Engine, from this, this, this research paper they wrote at Stanford. It says, human-maintained lists cover popular topics effectively but are subjective, expensive to build and maintain, slow to improve, and they cannot cover all the esoteric topics. Automated search engines that rely on keyword matching usually return too many low-quality matches. To make matters worse, some advertisers attempt to gain people's attention by taking measures meant to mislead automated search engines, like buying backlinks, like copying content from other websites. Don't do it. We are the number one search engine company in Oklahoma, potentially the Midwest, and I'm telling you this as a search engine expert, if you want to get to the top of Google, just email us right now, info at thrive15.com, info at thrive15.com, and we will help you fix your website. I go on to read here. It says, we have built a large-scale search engine which addresses many of the problems of existing systems. It makes especially heavy use of additional structure present in hypertext to provide much higher quality search results. We, cho we chose our system name, Google, because it is a common spelling of Google, G-O-O-G-O-L, or 10 to the 100th power, and fits well within our goal of building a very large-scale search engine. Well, what happens is they start to download the Internet, and Steve, as they download the Internet, they start to come up with, they start to notice patterns. Steve, they notice patterns. Mm -hmm. Steve, have you ever noticed that sometimes in our country today that noticing patterns could get you labeled as politically incorrect and kind of a bad person. If you notice patterns. Yeah. So, Chuck, have you ever thought about this? I mean, patterns, I mean, you know, if you download the whole internet and you start to realize, hey, there's a pattern here, uh, you know, I mean, that could be that could be accused of being subjective. That could be could accused be. of not being objective. Could yes, I, I would agree with that. So during this time, everyone's using AOL, Alta Vista, and other search engines, and they're getting weird search results. But these guys start to download the entire internet. And you know what they, Chubb, do you know what they found the common denominator was with the high quality websites? What was it? I can't tell you. Because we're going to go to commercial. <laughs> and when we come back from commercial, I knew he was going to do that. I'm going to break it down. But I can't tell you because, Chubb, we have some great advertisers out there. 
That's true. So if you're, if you, I tell you what, if you want to support this fabulous program, I encourage you to go to thrivetimeshow.com and click on podcasts and download, subscribe. You know, subscribe to download the podcast. You'll never miss a broadcast. We archive them all up there for you. And by the way, our next Thrive Time in person workshop is just days away. You can book your tickets today at thrivetimeshow.com. As of last count, I believe we have two tickets left. Buy your tickets today at thrivetimeshow.com. Com. I'm telling you what, you do not want to miss out on the world's best business workshop. Get your tickets today at thrivetimeshow.com. Stay tuned. From the center of the universe and the Thrive15.com world headquarters, it's the Thrive Time Show. Sorry, we're going, we're going streaking through the quad and into the gymnasium. Come on, everybody! Come on, Snoop! Snoop All right, Thrive Nation, welcome back to the conversation. It is the Thrive Time Show on your radio, and today we are breaking down the life and times of Larry Page and Sergey Brin the beautiful minds behind the creation of Google, which is currently the world's second wealthiest company. However, I believe they're actually the number one wealthiest company, but I believe that the math is not done correctly because they've broken the company into a massive uh, conglomerate called Alphabet, which now owns all these separate companies. And a lot of their businesses, they're not even focused on making any profit at all. And they, their, their whole goal is just to dominate. So imagine what it's like. I mean, if you're GM and General Motors or Ford and you're trying to create a self-driving car, your core business is selling cars at a profit. If you're Google, you can just take all of your profits and put it into making a self-driving car and not have to make any money, and it doesn't matter. Um, so their technology— You have a lot of fun with that. Think about all the things Google oh has God. made right now. Okay, here's an example. Google Sheets have basically replaced what? They've replaced Excel. what? Excel. Excel. Um, Google Drive is trying to replace Dropbox. Dropbox. Google Earth is trying to replace the everything. world satellites. <laughs> the Google Earth. Chat is replacing talking, texting, everything. G- Gmail is now replacing basically all email, right? Right. Google Hangouts is trying to replace FaceTime. Right. I mean, this is a the, the Google Pixel. Have you seen their new phone commercials? I have not. Their new phone has a camera that's rated higher than the iPhone for the first time. And the features are starting to work in a way that um, are, is soon going to upset the iPhone uh, world. Because I think about, what, two out of three consumers buy an iPhone right now? Is it two out of three? Something like that. And, but I think soon, I mean, I don't know. I think soon it's going to change because a lot of people were loyal to Steve Jobs and to his innovation. I know I personally was. I love Steve Jobs. But now that Steve Jobs is out of the picture, I don't know that uh, Cook inspires the same level of, uh, of uh, loyalty that Jobs did. Jobs was a very polarizing person, and people bought into that personality. Google's on the verge of, I mean, they're going to upset a lot of industries. But what happened is they, they first came up with this concept uh, when they're 23 years old that the Internet needed to be organized in a better way. So they actually, from the University of Stanford campus, they actually downloaded the entire Internet. The entire Internet. So they downloaded the entire Internet and they called the project Backrub. And do you guys want to know why they called I, the project I, Backrub? I would like to know that because that's a... Awkward. Yeah. Well, as the pair begins downloading the entire internet, 
they soon discover their shoulders that, start hurting, and they um. Well, they're, they, they, well, they go to the mall, and there's a guy at the mall who will give them a massage. They're fascinated, so they name the company. No, no, what happened? Oh, wait. the pair began downloading the entire internet, and they soon discovered that many of the most credible websites, the ones that had the the, the were the the most uh, esteemed, the most prestigious, they had the most incoming backlinks. It's when a site links to your site, and they thought, you know. It seems like really credible content is linked to by really by everybody. So as an example, if you write a research paper, at the end of your research paper, you're supposed to what? Cite where you got the sources. You're supposed to document. We do it on the Thrive Time show all the time. We'll, we'll cite where we got this information. So when we cite our show, we'll put a link from our site to other sites. Or in a, in a paper, you know, you would write at the bottom, this is where I got this information. And so they thought, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go ahead and make the site with the most backlinks Top in Google, boom! But the problem was no one's using Google yet. Right. So they're like, whoa, oh, it's the most relevant because it has the most backlinks. It is sick. And no one knows what a backlink is. <laughs> Furthermore, people aren't uh, interested. They're not. I, mean, it, 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 I, don't, I don't know if this is amazing to you guys or not, but when I sold DJ Connection, I remember thinking to myself, you know, people love entertainment, which is why DJ Connection did well. They want to spend a ton of money celebrating their wedding. People want to spend like two minutes planning their life their, their their marriage but they want to spend like six months planning the wedding you know they want to figure out what kind of cake what kind of flowers steve does this ever amaze you people that shouldn't be getting married are spending huge amounts of time focused on the elaborate celebration and the, and the accoutrements and the festiveness but zero time thinking about whether their marriage will actually work out right yeah they um they spend uh you know 108 bucks on the church and uh, twenty thousand dollars on the food and DJ. Chuck, have you ever thought about this? I yeah, I've always thought the whole idea is crazy. Like, what are we? What are we really doing here? Dad of the 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 the, the bride, the dad's got to spend that's a bunch of money. Go- What's going on here? That's why I quit going to weddings. You know, not, after not, I sold DJ, they're not quit fun. Going to weddings. So, <laughs> well, you went to enough of them that you shouldn't have to. Two lifetimes, worth, well, almost probably. a thousand weddings I went to. So here's the thing, though, Thrive Nation is. So I I thought to myself, you know what? As much as I wanted as a DJ, I always wanted to tell the bride, hey, listen. You guys need to do marriage counseling previous to getting married because if you're a repeat customer, that's a bad deal. <laughs> but I'm a DJ, so I don't have a platform. No one listens to me, so I didn't ever have that conversation. Yeah. But I thought, I can't convince people to have premarital counseling. Well, as I sold the business, you're going, what does this have to do with Google? I started thinking, everybody's using Google, but I don't think anybody knows how it works. I don't think anybody really understands how it works. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to know 10 times more about how Google works than anybody else in Oklahoma. And then I started uh, doing speaking events where people would pay me to come teach how the internet works and how to get to the top of Google. And then over time, I've met people who knew more than me, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to know two times more than that person. And so Google, the only reason that Google um, ranked sites high back in the day is the the website that had the most backlinks got to be top. That's how it worked. Now, Chuck, this is, this is the move. So 1997, they're 24 years old. They register Google.com as a website. And it was not long before the partners began to have other students on campus who started trying to use Google to search for things. And they crashed the entire school's network because they were using the school's leftover computer parts to run Google. And so they thought to themselves, you know what? We probably need to, uh, you know, make this a real thing. We probably need to get off the campus. We probably need some, some to start actual equipment, like, a business. Uh, yeah. And so they came up with a couple ideas. They thought, you know what, we're going we're, we're, we're to call this, we've been calling the website Backrub. We probably need to move on to a new, a new name. 
And so the names they came up with were What Box, What Box, <laughs> What Box, and Google spelled G O O G O L, Google. Right. And so they just had a slight change of spelling. And in 1997, they registered the website Google.com. Now, as they as they as they register the website Google.com, what they find is that uh, you know what, more and more people are starting to use this thing. And uh, it costs money because the way it works, um, Chuck, you know our clients, when we get them to the top of Google um, and they start adding more and more content to their website, a lot of times we'll tell them they need to upgrade, uh, they need to upgrade their GoDaddy service. They right. need to pay a little more for more space yeah, for a faster website. Uh, they start realizing like, hey man, we need like a hundred grand to make it like three months because that's that expensive for us to power this thing. And so they start looking for funding. Because now they have a site that's registered. And so they went ahead and hired their first guy named Craig Silverstein. They hired Craig Silverstein and they hired Susan. Now, who's Susan? Well, Susan, I can't even pronounce her last name, but it's Susan Woj. Wojcicki. Wojcicki, yeah. So they, 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 go to, they say, Susan, could we move into your garage? I mean, we you know we we're getting a lot of downloads on Craig, Larry, Sergey. Susan, come on, let's move into your garage. It'll be so much fun. This is a Silicon Valley tradition. Steve Jobs started in the garage. Hewitt Packard started in the garage. Why don't we just move into the garage? And so Craig's like, well, how much are you guys paying? They go, well, uh, you get just a small percentage of ownership. And Craig says, well, uh, do we have any money coming in? Absolutely not, Craig, but uh, we'll go ahead and make you a good deal. So they sign a contract with Craig. Susan says, uh, I, I, I'm kind of looking to get some money, you know, for renting my garage. Uh, can you guys pay me? Absolutely not. In fact, we actually lose money every day because our service is free, and we're opposed to selling advertisement because we don't want to pollute the search. You know. And she says, okay, sounds like a good idea. Well, she is now the CEO of YouTube and is worth $1.65 billion. B billion? And Craig is now worth $800 million. $800 wow. million. Dollars. The first employee who came to work there for free. And so they start running around in 1998 giving demonstrations at the age of 24 to Silicon Valley entrepreneurs to show them how Google works because they, Chup, they needed some money. Got to have the money. If you're going to start a business, you need money. When we come back, I want you to talk about this, Chip. We have a lot of entrepreneurs that, that we coach who are not building the next Google, but they're building a business, and they're looking to raise some capital. Right. I really want you to dive into the practical ways that you've seen some of our clients raise capital. And Steve, I want to get your take on this. How do you? How did you raise capital to start your first business? Because you went from being a, a debt collector who's very good at his job to being a mortgage banker. I mean, how do you get the kind of money needed to open your own office to start your own business? I mean, you, you guys are two real, you know, entrepreneurs and a business coach here. I just want to get your perspective on this. Stay tuned. It's the Thrive Time Show on your radio.